live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 28. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura, and joining us this week is one of our golden ticket winners, Zach. Zach, how are you doing? I'm good. How are y'all? We're doing great. Thank you. Um, Just to remind all of you, we sold shirts a little bit earlier this year, and one of the incentives that we we had in order to push shirt sales was a few people are going to get golden tickets in with their shirts, which will allow them an opportunity to join us on the show. And Zach got one of those tickets. Zach... Um, I can't promise that this is going to be like the true Willy Wonka experience, but hopefully it will be um, as, at least as entertaining and not as painful. We'll see. So far, it is pretty great. So cool. I've got the golden ticket. He's got the golden <laughs> ticket. Zach's got the golden ticket. So, um, speaking of <laughs> just <laughs> speaking of gold a certain gold book came out this weekend it is harry potter and the cursed child did uh, anybody buy it no that's, that's a negative houston that's oh, a negative i was counting on zach to have read it i knew i figured you two wouldn't ladies zach why didn't you get it mostly you're like all of your reviews of it like all the oh. negative stuff. oh it's my fault hmm. great i hate that Ain't that funny? Uh, so yeah, it came out this weekend. Lots of midnight release parties all around the world, and they were they were very busy. I, I everybody I I know who went to one reported big events. So I think that was really cool, and um, I've been enjoying reading it. I haven't actually finished. I'm not rushing since I since I saw it because it's so bad. Am I right? No, uh, but I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm just taking my time with it. Um, it's but I have to say it feels wonderful to hold an official new story that's been printed on the page. A new Harry Potter story. It's just just something just gets me gets me going about that. So I've been enjoying it. Yeah, clearly something gets you going about that, but I guess <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We will. In After Dark today, we may have one of the greatest After Darks we ever do. We are going to do a live reading of some of the sexiest parts of the fan fiction I, did, I wrote for Hypeable. And boy, does it get dirty. Yeah, it gets just, dirty. Uh, just to give you guys a preview, there's a lot of talk about wetness and <laughs> <laughs> and thrusting and inserting. So, and Laura and Elisa, who used to be fan fiction moderators, are going to review it for me since they are fan fiction experts. Yeah, Andrew's like fan fiction moderators, aka huge losers. <laughs> Accurate. So, um, completely unrelated to gayness, uh, now we have to talk about something that's very straight. I'm going to a straight guy's bachelor party in Las Vegas this weekend. It is my sister's fiance's bachelor party. I have never been to one of these, so I'm kind of terrified. Have any of you gone to a bachelor bachelorette party? Yeah. No. Yeah, I've been to a bachelorette party. And are they like nuts? Are the bachelorette parties nuts? It depends on the bride, honestly. Mm. Like, is she content with the fact that she's signing away her singlehood? Or is she, like, clinging on to it for dear life? That that really decides the tone of the party. Yeah. Here's and I think tip. it's the same for bachelors. Everybody's clinging on to it, whether they show it or not, is a different story. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, so this guy, uh, my sister's fiancé, He's. Uh, I, I went to Vegas with him in October with my mom and sister, and he's one of these people who, when he drinks, he gets, like, really crazy and, like, <laughs> too turnt for my liking. So I'm, like, I'm kind of, like, bracing for it. And uh, me and Mike got a separate hotel room. And plus, his friends, like, his brother is coming, and he's cool, and Randy's coming, and or obviously Randy's coming. He's the bachelor. Uh, Randy, Randy's really cool. Um, but his friends, like, South Jersey... It's kind of like we didn't mention this, but Zach's from Alabama, and obviously Laura's from Georgia. Like it's they're they're like Southern, like like I feel like they may be a little homophobish, so I feel like that may be a little weird. 
And I know these guys are going to turn up too much did for you, my liking. Did you just compare the South to New Jersey? Because South Jersey. Yeah. I'm pretty insulted by that. <laughs> I've been to New Jersey. And you think it's worse? Um, It smells worse. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but if like they get strippers or something, that's just going to be so weird for me. Because like he's marrying my sister, you know? And yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. You have you have one job and one job only, and that's to make sure things don't go too far. Oh, my God. So that's what my parents have been implying, but they haven't explicitly told me that. Like, my mom keeps telling what? me, like, oh, yeah, I just I feel like somebody shouldn't drink too much so they can keep an eye on them. And I'm like, what do you think's going to happen? They're, they're going to, like, seriously injure themselves? And she's like, well, you know, you know how Randy is. No, she doesn't mean injure. No, injure themselves. She, she means, means enter someone else. She means Andrew. Oh. You know, you know these words, Andrew. Say them with me. Insert <laughs> wet <laughs> asshole. Listen, I was very conflicted on how how graphic I wanted to get my fan fiction, so that's why I used inserts and other words like that. I know Inside. you know. I know you know these words. These you need to imagine that that your job here is to stop fan fiction from happening. I'm so glad you told me this because I legitimately was not thinking that's what my mom meant. That didn't yeah, that cross is, my mind. But 100%. also, like, if they're I don't know, why is it your job to make sure? I know. We'll we'll, we'll talk about this later. This might be getting too personal. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> anyway, I, that's not going to be my job. Mike and I have a separate hotel room, so I can escape whenever I want. <laughs> You know, I should mention we got I got some feedback in uh, the Millennial Facebook group. Some people are praying for me. Taylor recommended I say bro or bra a lot. I think that's mm-hmm. that's good. And most people are saying just get just get as drunk as they do, which may be my only option for surviving this. If they're really like bro bros, we should just like put we should just dress you up in a bunch of sports gear. I mean, in fact, if you could just wear like an actual helmet to the party, that would be great. And I think you'll fit right in. Uh huh. The top liked comments on this are pretty funny. Be a male stripper stripper for y'all. So <laughs> Nina wants me to be a male stripper. Also, Sean says offer them a donut. <laughs> so- <laughs> Maybe I should sim all of them. Oh my god, call Sebastian. <laughs> Sebastian yes. returns. Sebastian, for people who don't know, is the stripper that we hired for Andrew during for Andrew's 21st. birthday when he had a birthday in, in Las Vegas. What? How old were you turning? 21. 21. That's right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. So to shake up the show a little bit today, we're going to do Surprise Bitch right now. Right the hell now. Why not? And Zach, as we mentioned to you before we started recording, we're going to give you the reins on saying the famous words. You feel up for it? Oh, I'm down. Cool. So awesome. Why don't you pick a number between two and five oh two? Woo! Five hundred numbers in here now. Four sixty nine. <laughs> <Ooh>. Nice. <laughs> All right, that's Liliana, and she's in Portugal. Wow. <gasps> she bought a shirt too. I remember. Aw. Yeah. She didn't get the golden ticket. <laughs> this is going to be assault and open fucking wound, isn't it? <laughs> Never going to get this. Never going to get this. <laughs> What time is it in Portugal? It's Google. late midnight. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, it's Christ. midnight. I assume this is a ringtone. <laughs> yes, it is. Surprise, bitch. <laughs> Liliana? Hi. Hey, it's Millennial. Hi. What's up? Hi. Uh, everything's great. <laughs> Good. Were you sleeping? Uh, no, I was in bed, actually. Oh, so you so in bed, but not sleeping. It's, no, not yet. Oh, good, good. We, it's past hmm? midnight here. Yeah, yeah, we're sorry for calling you so late there, but, you know, you did sign up, so. <laughs> yeah. So Portugal, that is, that is, that is awesome. Can you tell us something, a stereotype about your city or state that might be true? Uh, let me see. We eat about a lot of cod, codfish. Codfish. A lot. Mm. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. Like that's that's all you eat. It's not all we eat. Come on. Well, I don't know. What <laughs> else do you eat? Get the fuck together. All I eat is pizza, so that's why I thought you could be serious. Hey, Liliana, gonna- can you can you tell Andrew to go fuck himself in Portuguese? <laughs> Uh, Andrew, 
Vai-se foder. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. It sounded glorious, You're didn't welcome. it? Very romantic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is the cursed child out there? Uh, the cursed child is not out here yet. Are you going to buy it or are you going to buy I've, it and then burn it? I've pre-ordered it. Okay. But good. it hasn't arrived yet. Okay, good. Do you, do you follow the U.S. election? Uh, I've been following it, yes. I think you're pretty much fucked either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Well, I, we are more fucked in one way than the other, in my humble opinion. But yes, <laughs> yes, that's true. true. What, what are you guys? What What's the sentiment over there about the U.S. elections? Is, are you guys following it? Is it in the news in Portugal or or what? Not so much. I think it's going to be um, on the news a lot, uh, closer to the election. Right. But right now, it's just a lot of attacks in Europe. Yeah, of course. Not yeah. so much of right. elections. Yeah, no, that's that's has a better priority. No one should give a shit about about Trump. Yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you think of Trump, though? I mean, I clearly, at least just from listening to us, I'm sure you've heard us complain about him. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, there are no words for it. It's unbelievable that he ran. It's unbelievable that he's still in the running, and that he is the the nominee. And that people actually believe what he says, and that are on, and that are on his side. So he yeah. wouldn't make Portugal great again if he was running over there. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> we have no. we have a lot of people who would believe him too. Trust me, but yeah, I don't know. Is there anything happening locally for you right now that's really big in the news? Like, what's a really big story about something happening in Portugal right now? Uh, vacation. Vacation. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people in uh, in on vacation right now, and the, and it's making national news. Wow! Really? Is it just that's, is this how much? Early August is just the time to go on vacation there, huh? Yeah, this month is the month for vacation. I think you guys must be really a really happy country. We would be much happier here if that were our big headline. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not. Well, we're, we're being. Um, we were being sanctioned by the EU, but apparently it's not anymore. So we have about that. <laughs> All right, Liliana. Well, thank you for uh, letting us call you so late thank at night. Thank you so much. Yep, and uh, we you. hope you make Portugal great again. <laughs> thank you. I hope right. you make America great again. Oh, thank you. We're we're doing our best. <laughs> No, we're not. But thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank Bye. You so Have much. a good night. Bye. Thank you for Bye. your support. Thank you. Yes, thank Bye. you. It's time now for Dumpster Fire 2016. We want to talk about a couple of things. We have two main categories. One, we want to talk about the conventions. We want to wrap up that conversation because last time we recorded, the DNC wasn't finished. A lot happened in those past few days. And then secondly, the general election, a look ahead, because this is when both campaigns are definitely going to be pivoting and changing their strategy. But first, conventions. Let's talk a little bit about how the DNC ended um, and Hillary's speech and the great balloon debacle of 2016. (laughs) Did you guys, first and foremost, the most important thing on the table, everybody saw how fucking happy Bill Clinton was over the balloons, right? Hey, everybody, this is so great. All these balloons. I love this. Hillary 2016. Yeah, Yeah, he was so into it. Thanks. Um, yeah, Bill. Bill was very jiffable. This DNC convention, even the the balloons at the end aside, they would always cut to him in the audience throughout the four days, and he was always loving when uh, the, loving the big speeches, like Michelle Obama and and mm-hmm. uh, who else? I don't know, but he he was he was always just like, oh man, these speeches are so great, yeah. Michelle Obama, man, she's pretty hot. <laughs> His wife too. He looked pretty excited for her speech. Yeah, I was happy to see her up there. <laughs> well, mostly the balloons. <laughs> mostly the I, balloons. Honestly, I I think that Bill Clinton is sort of going through something similar to what 
George W. Bush is going through in that neither of them must get out of the house very often because they both seem to be really excited by really basic things. Well, think about it. I, this I, this must be an amazing... I'm very happy for Bill as much as I'm happy for Hillary because I think they've obviously been together for a very long time as Bill started his story. What was it? 73, I think. I met a girl in 73. And... Um, it, just to see his wife now accept the nomination, I think it's amazing. It, oh, mm-hmm. he also teared up a lot. I think uh, when his daughter came out, when Chelsea came out and gave that gave that speech, that yeah. was one of the most heartwarming moments as well. I just loved it. Loved Bill. I feel like Bill sort of embodied the spirit of Joe Biden in that moment. This seemed like a very. <laughs> Very Uncle Joe thing to do to sort of clown around like he's in Chuck E. Cheese and just yeah. like embrace the balloons. Uh, either that or he had just like dropped acid. Who knows? Uh, but what did you guys think about the last couple of days of the DNC? Because the last time we spoke about it on the show, um, you know, the first we'd only gone through the first night and there was still a pretty serious uh, gathering of Bernie or bust supporters at the convention that were chanting the whole way. They were interrupting speakers and it was really uh, quite the kerfuffle. But I think that tapered out pretty quickly and pretty well. And I have to credit Bernie Sanders himself for a lot of that. He went around and lobbied his own delegates and said, listen, you know, get your shit together. Um, it sucks, but we are where we are. It was a legitimate loss. It wasn't rigged. Like Things were certainly not handled appropriately all the time, but it was a legitimate loss, and we have to get it together. That's a big – I have to say, as a class act on Bernie's part. What did you guys think? Yeah, I thought he did a really great job of just bringing everybody together in the end. I think um, allowing him to speak for the Vermont delegation and calling to nominate Clinton was a really nice touch think it was kind of a really nice bow to put on everything. I agree. Um, and it, it seems like a lot of people have been coming around. There are still some naysayers, but I don't know. Those are people who might not vote anyway. So well, there was a, yeah, there was a new poll that came out, CNN ORC poll that just came out earlier. Actually, I think it was yesterday. And it said that of um, the, of the Bernie supporters that only uh, only only about 10% or less than 10%, I think it was like 8 to 9% were going to continue to um, support Bernie and not Hillary. Mm-hmm. Only 3% said that they would support Donald Trump and the rest were on board um, with Hillary and there was a small spattering of like third parties. So for the most part, I think it worked. Um, Zach, did you have a chance to, did you watch the DNC at all? I saw Bill's speech, the okay. entire thing. Um it was oh, very long. Very yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God Bernie finally said something because people people be cray. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just, I don't know really how else to say it because this is so serious to me. And we've, we've got to kind of get behind Hillary no matter what. Right, because hashtag never Trump. Were you yeah. ever a Bernie supporter? Uh, I started out Hillary and I got, I felt the burn for a little while, but actually Bernie or Busters is actually why I got off the Bernie train because they really turned me off of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really self-defeating, um, that, that whole attitude. But in any case, that it, it is what it is. So moving on, one of the biggest things that happened the last couple of days of the convention was this what has become rather this massive controversy uh, between mm-hmm. Donald Trump and the Khan family? Now, the Khan family, you guys probably saw um, the father and the mother um, went out and spoke about how they had lost their son to the Iraq war. And he, in fact, um, the son rather, had ran into ran into battle while he was trying to save his comrades. So really like the definition of what you imagine a a war hero to be. And this father came out and said, you know, Donald Trump disparages the Muslim community and he disparages me and my family and my son. And and there are 6,000 Muslim troops serving in the United States Armed Forces currently. And my son was one of them. And he's dead now. And every time you say some racist, bigoted shit about Muslims and about banning Muslims from the country, you should be thinking about my son and those 6,000 troops. Uh, And then one of the coolest things is he whipped out his pocket constitution and said – 
Um, I don't think you've read the Constitution, but I will happily lend you my copy. <laughs> Which he was great. <laughs> was fucking in- incredible. John Oliver said it best. He's like, I never saw a historical document used as a middle finger before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought of you immediately, Elisa, when I was watching Con Live, because you've joked about your pocket constitution. You have one, right? Yeah, I have one. I have my ninth grade government teacher gave me one, and I still have it. It's in Aww. my purse at all times. So since this, pocket constitutions, funnily enough, have jumped to the top of the Amazon bestseller list. The only thing beating it right now is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, but the pocket constitution <laughs> oh, is number two. I and- feel like this is some War of the Roses shit. This is like if Andrew and I went to war on Amazon, what we would go to war with. These are our weapons of choice, the constitution versus Harry Potter. And then another copy, copy of the constitution is number five. Now, can we seriously ask for a second, why did this jump to the top? Is it that people didn't know pocket constitutions existed and then they were like oh shit i would like to have one handy on me at all times like why are people suddenly buying this because they're they don't realize that you can pretty much get them for free if you walk into almost any museum in dc yeah Hmm. i don't think people did realize that you could get them but but like why do you want one well what because (laughs) why would you want one is that <laughs> I just legitimately annoyed Elisa. <laughs> Why would you I mean, want <laughs> hopefully it inspires more of our country's populace to fucking read the constitution. Yeah. They're not they, gonna read it. <laughs> they're just they're just gonna brandish it like a weapon next time somebody gets into a political debate with them. By the Don't- way, I clicked on this one that's number two on Amazon right now and it's currently out of stock. Amazon ran out. There, it's it's I can't I, people I just can't with this who why would someone want it why would why would someone well, want Chris Child are, you riddle me that Andrew <laughs> why because, would somebody want that because it's a new Harry Potter story the pocket con- the Constitution's old as fuck we all know it already do we I don't do think we? Really not. <laughs> it does not feel like anybody fucking knows it but that's that's besides well that's but, that's a fair point. I mean, hope maybe Americans will smarten up after they read their copy. Of the pocket hey, Andrew, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas this year. Yeah, you should. It's only a dollar. It's super cheap. Perfect. I'm getting Andrew a Bible after reading after reading that fan fiction. Andrew needs Jesus. That's <laughs> I need all. to find the Lord. Anyway, so this 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 the reason this became a controversy is because uh, you know this family would obviously sacrifice, made the ultimate sacrifice with their son, and, and came out admonishing Trump with very good reason. Um, and when he, I should also mention, he said at the end of his speech, Mr. Khan said at the end of his speech, you know, would have you sacrificed? You have sacrificed nothing and no one, uh, which was extremely powerful. Now, um, we have some audio here of, of Trump responded a couple of times in a couple of different ways, but this is this is one of the things that he said in response to that whole speech. Would you answer that, Father? What sacrifice have you made for your country? I think I've made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, I work very, very hard. I've created thousands and thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of jobs, uh, built great structures. I've done. I've had. I've had tremendous success. Uh, I think those are sacrifices. Lot. Oh, sure. I think they're sacrifices. I think when I can employ thousands and thousands of people, take care of their education, take care of so many things, even in military. I mean, I was very responsible, along with a group of people, for getting the Vietnam Memorial built in downtown Manhattan, which to this day people thank me for. Uh, I raised and I have raised millions of dollars for the vets. I'm helping the vets a lot. I think my popularity with the vets is through the roof, far greater than hers. She's done nothing. All she's done is tell everybody that the vets are in good shape, they're fine, and they're not fine. People are waiting online for seven days to see a doctor. She thinks it's fine. Yeah, so, and and he goes on to say, you know, are 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 those sacrifices? Are those really sacrifices? And you know, it's it's all ridiculous. So he likens his business acumen, which is non-existent, by the way, but he likens it to losing uh, a family member, or a loved one, or a child. And he also went on in a separate interview to question why Mr. Khan's wife didn't speak at the convention, saying. Um, 
Now, I'm not sure. You tell me, but maybe she wasn't allowed to speak. Yeah. Um, he said that on two separate occasions and two separate interviews, um, overtly, of course, implying uh, that that she wasn't allowed or permitted to speak because of her religion and because she was subservient. And, um, and again, by the being way, super racist. He always wedges in. I've heard people writing about this. People are saying this, too. It's not just me. Like, he can never have claim anything to be his own. He always has to add other people have said it, too, just in case, you know, so he can kind of pull out of it later, make up an excuse later. Oh, well, other people were saying it. I was just offensive, but other people were just saying it, too. So I'm less offensive now. Yeah. I mean, the guy makes up reports. Right. Like, you heard his whole press conference about how he was blaming China for um, the DNC hacks. Right. And he was like, yeah. earlier on, he was like, we haven't heard anything. It's probably China. And then later on, he was like, I actually just read a report that said it was China. And it's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. You you just said it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's he's Trump is finally I have to tell you guys, after all of the fucked up shit that he has said and done, I at, the, I, at this point, I really expect him to get away with murder, literally and figuratively. And so when this happened and he was you know, implying that she, that the wife couldn't speak uh, because, you know, she was a subservient Muslim woman, which by the way, I should also mention, she came out um, and gave an interview the same day that that Trump was saying this and explained without being prompted, without even knowing that Trump had made this accusation. She explained, she's like, you know, I really wish that I could have spoken at the convention, but I'm still so broken up over the death of my son I, you know, I, I can't, I can't talk about it without breaking down into tears. And I knew that I wouldn't have it in me to make it through that speech. Uh, so, you know, being a human, being a normal human. Right. Um, and whatever, it was obviously despicable. And on the heels of that, both Lindsey Graham and John McCain have spoken out against those comments, you know, particularly John McCain, of course, a veteran himself, a prisoner of war, issued a very strong statement saying that we should never disparage gold star families or families that um, have lost a loved one in combat and, uh, and, and likening Mr. Khan's son to a war hero. And this has spun really out of control today because now I'm sure you guys saw Donald Trump is saying that he refuses or he will not endorse Senator McCain or Congressman Paul Ryan for their elections because both of them are facing primary elections right now. In fact, Paul Ryan's primary election is next week. And so Trump <laughs> is now coming out and saying, using the same language that Ryan used against him earlier and saying, you know, I'm just not there yet. I'm just not ready. Yeah. Um, we've never, by the way, that's unprecedented, unprecedented to see the nominee of a party um, sort of go against the speaker of their own house like that. I really hope that Paul Ryan now revokes his endorsement of Trump and that McCain does the same. You were speaking about. mm -hmm. I was going to say, isn't the Veterans Association lobbying Paul Ryan to revoke that endorsement? Well, I know the VFW released a statement um, condemning Trump's con remarks as well. So I think. What the mistakes that Trump has made this week, I know, Elisa, you were saying he just makes so many things that we they kind of like just pass by, but or he 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 gets away with murder. But I think that the things he's said the past week will actually uh, hurt him. This con thing is sticking. Hillary is going to be able to run with this con thing through the rest of the election. When he made fun of that reporter with a disability, that is still sticking. Uh, and there's been polls that show that that is a very – that's a negative factor that people are still upset about. Um, this baby thing today, we haven't played the clip yet, but Trump <laughs> complained about a baby and uh, – should I play it now? Yeah, yeah go for it. it. Okay. I have the biggest bank in the world as a tenant of mine in New York. The biggest in the world, a Chinese bank. Can hear the baby Don't worry the about that baby. I love babies. So. I love babies. I hear that baby crying. I like it. Do you try? I like it. What a baby. What a beautiful baby. Don't worry. Don't worry. The mom's running around like, don't worry about it, you know? So so at that point, you're like, oh, okay, Trump. He's soft. He likes children. And then we continue playing this moment. Young and beautiful and healthy, and that's what we want. Okay. But, But look, look. We have the piggy bank. They have ripped us to shreds. 
ripped us absolutely to shreds. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. That's all right. Don't worry. I, I think she really believed me that I love having a baby crying while I'm speaking. That's okay. People don't understand. That's okay. I mean, people, I, the way he spoke, I would have believed that he was actually cool with the baby being there. I think right, he well, was. Yeah. At, at, in that particular moment. Yeah, correct. He experienced a moment of personality whiplash <laughs> and changed his mind. Um, I, I do think, I feel like I heard in that moment after he started dissing the baby, I think I actually heard in his voice the realization that he just fucked up. <laughs> and that's not something that we hear from Donald Trump very often. No. I just, I love that you have to say dissing the baby. This is where the election is. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Honestly, guys. Honestly, what so, the fuck? So I think Hillary will be able to run with that during the election. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to be spending so much money on amazing advertising. <laughs> television advertising and radio advertising over the next few months and uh yeah yeah i was about to transition to something but we're probably not ready yet yeah i mean i will point out that um just looking at 538's election data which we're going to talk about in a minute um but looking at their now cast which is basically who would win if the election were held today and Hillary Clinton has an 85.9% chance of winning and Donald Trump has a 14.1% chance of winning, that's dropped off pretty significantly in the last few days, Yes, um, <laughs> which is a great thing. And of course, our polls plus forecast, which is looking at the polls, the economy and all of the historical data about previous elections showing Clinton with a 66.4% chance of winning and yes. Trump with a 33.6% chance of winning. And she had a nice post-convention bump. She did. She did. And the thing is, is she's still, my only concern is that she's still riding on that post-convention bump, whereas Mm -hmm. Trump isn't because his is a few weeks older and because his was preceded immediately by the DNC. So, I mean, I think Hillary is still in a very good position in terms of the Electoral College, but I really don't want to take it for granted because the swing states where she... Um, needs to win the ones that frankly matter the most. Um, she's definitely ahead, but they're they're narrow margins considering the the caliber of man mm-hmm. and the caliber of campaign that we're dealing with. She by all by all traditional metric should be blowing him out of the water in these states, mm. and she isn't a couple, but she's not in most of them. So, um, I, yeah, she's in solid footing. But we're, we're going to talk. I think we should do. Um, a, a segment on the Electoral College at some point in the very near future uh, and talk a little bit more about this because I think obviously it's important to understand. Mm-hmm. And just, to cl- just to clarify, Elisa, are you specifically referring to Ohio and Florida? I'm referring to Ohio, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania, a um, mm-hmm. couple of others, but mostly those three, the, the unholy trinity. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, I hate to tell you, but she has a 0.2% chance of winning Alabama. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. There there used to be like five Trump signs in my neighborhood alone. Mm-hmm. So I, def- I have no hope. I'll vote, <laughs> but I have no hope. You said that like a man defeated. Yeah. I That's what it's it. like to be a liberal in the South. You just know that when you go and vote, it's like... It almost doesn't matter. Oh, but it, but does. it does. But it, it does. does. Zach, you should what still are, vote. Tell actually before we before we before we wrap up. What what is the atmosphere like in in Alabama? And do you identify as as a, a liberal? And if so, um, how hard is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't talk about it too much because I don't want to be attacked. Um, because people do really. Their beliefs are their beliefs, and they're very steadfast in that. Um, and it's like I said, there were like, actually, I think it started out there were three Trump signs in one yard, and they spread out to other yards. I guess they like gave them away. 
Right now, there's only one left, and I'm considering stealing it. I'm, I think I'm going to steal it. <laughs> oh, why not? Only one left. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. Clean up the neighborhood a little bit. Yeah. But um, just be careful. Yeah, yeah. Go really. Uh, yeah, I I'm not naming any names. I know somebody who got a ticket because they were caught stealing a Donald Trump sign. Wow, that must have been Elisa. <laughs> not naming Guilty. any names. <laughs> yeah. But you were saying, um, Zach? I I guess I identify as a liberal. I'm not a huge fan of the two party system. I guess I feel like it causes a lot of problems. But I would prefer to say liberal over anything else. Really? Okay. Sure. You don't have to say anything at all. It's it's okay to just not identify. Yeah. But I just have I just get a sense that you're probably a bit more liberal than the people in your community. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Definitely. Well, speaking of the general election, we're officially in it now. We're in the thick of it. Primaries are behind us. So what happens next? That's what I want to talk about. Is what, what do we have to look forward to in the general? Because traditionally, general elections run very differently with very different strategies than the primaries. So what do we think is going to happen in the next few weeks, next few months? Do you guys think we're going to see any kind of strategy shift on – the Hillary or or Trump campaigns? Sure. I mean, isn't that general practice? Yeah. But it doesn't seem like Trump's going to go that way. It seems like Trump's just going to keep being Trump. Yeah. Uh, we thought he probably would have changed by now, but I mean, there's just been some batshit stuff coming out over the past couple of weeks, as we just dis- discussed. Well, I think that's what happens when your advisors a- actually have no political experience, which seems to be Trump's problem. Um, I think any savvy political advisor would know that this is the time to be, you know, pivoting uh, some of his messages a bit. But that doesn't seem to be happening. And it's because by all accounts, I mean, his campaign manager. What 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 is that person's credential for doing something like this? Um, Nothing. GameStop employee. I don't know what he did before. this. (laughs) Uh, But one pivot seems to be that Trump is now complaining about the debates. He's complaining that they scheduled the first debate on the same night as televised NFL games. Uh, and he claimed, yeah, so he's he's not happy with that, uh, which could be a sign that he may try to pull out of the debates, or at least one or two of them, because he thinks he can't go up against Hillary in a debate, which I think is right. He can't go up <laughs> yeah. against Hillary. Now, does he actually believe that? Deep down, yes. Would he uh, say that in public? Of course not. Oh, man. The best thing for her to do, if he decides that he's not going to show up to some of these debates, she should very publicly say, I understand how you feel, Donald. However, if you change your mind, I'll be there. (laughs) And she should just show up. And when he doesn't show up, she should turn it into a town hall with the audience, get some Q&A going on. Oh, would be amazing. That would be I would, amazing. Ugh. But you know, he would just do the same thing at the same time, and then, then I don't know what would happen. Where with what? Like I don't know. CNN would love to do any number of town halls or Fox News or MSNBC. They they'd all televise it. My concern. Yeah, go ahead. My my concern is that you know normally, of course, during the primaries, everybody panders to their base and they. The liberals become more liberal and the conservatives be, are more conservative. And then during the general, everyone sort of meets a bit more in the middle to appeal to the masses. And that I'm not sure really is going to happen here, uh, at least not not really, not with Trump. I think this is what I think. I think Trump, uh, number one, I don't think he is going to change his strategy or his tactic, because I think he's a one trick pony. I don't think he is a strategic mind. I don't think he has any strategic minds on his campaign. I think that the only thing that they know how to do is this. They only know how to be belligerent and the loudest person in the room. And frankly, it's worked very well for them up until this point. So, you know, why fix something that's not broken? You know, at least strategically, that's, that's how they see it. And frankly, with good reason, he just won the nomination. So I'm not sure we're going to see a major shift from him at all. If there is any kind of pivot, my guess is it's going to be a pivot to delegitimize the system. I think that he's going to try and appeal more and more to the Bernie or bust people. 
um, by by sort of hijacking this notion that the system is rigged, that um, that Hillary is a, you know a corporate overlord, she's part of the establishment, and that everything is rigged in her favor, whether that's the electoral college or the presidential debates themselves. Um, or voter suppression, like everything he's going to say is rigged in Hillary's favor because she's part of the establishment. She has the money, et cetera, et cetera. And that mm-hmm. is an extremely effective attack against her. Extremely effective. We've seen how effective it's been for the Bernie movement. And I think it will continue to be so for him. And it worries me because one of the most sacred, sacred parts of the American democracy is the peaceful transition and the legitimate transition of power every January or every four years in January, I guess. Um, And to question that, to call that into question, to say the system is rigged and that somehow, you know, if she wins, it's, it's illegitimate is really very, very dangerous. That's the way that um, that's the way that political uprisings occur that's how riots happen, uh, by believing that the person who's in office isn't there legitimately. People can accept somebody if they feel like they just disagree with them. But no one's going to accept a person that they feel like doesn't belong there. And I think Trump's going to to shift in that direction. Yeah, well, and I think he's already kind of been doing that. He was expressing some concern um, over the weekend that he may, you know, that the election may already be rigged in Hillary's favor. And I think to your point, this is some shit that he's already been stirring for a number of years now, going back to the whole birther movement thing, trying to delegitimize Obama's position as president because he's, quote, not a citizen. And he says it because he knows his supporters will get Mm -hmm. hard from it. And that's, oh yeah, they'll eat it up. Even if it's just blatantly false, false, they eat it up. It doesn't matter. Yep. And and actually, he was asked about this today, and he said, I'm paraphrasing, but something about he feels it out there. He feels that it's rigged. He doesn't have any info. He just feels that way. Yeah. You know, it's it's so interesting. I read a really good comparison um, to all of this today, and it's sort of about the, the dumbing down of America and kind of our our rejection of anything intellectual or anything stinking of elitism. Um, And what it was saying was that rejecting the knowledge and expertise of historians and other experts who are telling you what will happen as a result of Donald Trump, not even just a Trump presidency, but just a result of him running yeah. um, and, and sort of ridiculing that is the same thing as going to the doctor, being told that you have cancer, telling the doctor that they're wrong and they don't know what they're talking about, and then being pissed off when you die. Yeah. Yep. Steve well, Jobs. that's a dark fucking analogy, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's just not that far from the truth. I'm sorry. America, we have cancer. My concern is in terms of Hillary is that she's I mean she's a policy wonk and and frankly everybody expected that she would go up against another policy wonk like a Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush. So all of her debate preparation and let's be clear the debates are going to be they're going to be huge. They're going to be tremendous. Oh, and every, I'm going to be huge. Watch Yeah, that. you're already huge, but everyone's going to be watching them. And I'm worried that, you know, she, every, every, all of her preparation, all of her talking points and her attacks, like all of it's been geared towards like a Marco Rubio type. And she's just facing a very different animal. So I hope that her campaign gives her some some witty sort of like some witty one liners. You know what I mean? She needs some zingers in there. She had some mm-hmm. good ones during her speech, though. Oh, amazing. The tweet one. That was her. Right? Yes. The tweet one was great. Yeah, uh, that was a mic drop moment. I I never tire of the woman card line either. If that means I'm playing the woman card, then deal me in. Woo! No. <laughs> Your I Hillary impression has gotten decidedly less annoying. Oh, I'll I'll work on that for you. Okay. <laughs> deal me into your pussy, Hillary. <laughs> Too thing far. has already been been right. dealt in there before <laughs> um <laughs> anyway kind of p- 
pivoting ourselves, although we're going to sort of stay on a topic that is relevant to the 2016 election, um, we did want to give Zach as our golden ticket winner a chance to kind of influence the way that the show went today. Um, So we asked what topic um, you would like to cover, Zach. And what you brought up was having sort of a a mini mental health discussion, because this is something that we don't get to talk about a whole lot. So I was wondering if, um, one, we could ask why this is a discussion that you feel really passionate about having. And then we can just sort of go from there. How does that sound? That sounds good. Um, I feel really passionate about mental health issues because I deal with it on a daily basis. Um, And plus, what I want to do with my life is work in the field. I want to be a counselor. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, it means a lot to me because I've been dealing with severe depression and anxiety for over a year now. And it's really not fun. And it's not something you see talked about very often. And I feel like maybe if it was talked about more often, then maybe more people would get help and people wouldn't feel as ashamed to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think it's incredible that you wanted to come on and talk about that today. What do you feel like is the general reaction that you get from people when you talk about it? It seems like you're fairly open about it. Um, I am, I I have been really open about it. Um, they usually stop and they really listen and they seem to learn. And, but sometimes they also look a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that with talking about it more, we can sort of turn around and make it more normal. Yeah, definitely. And I know that, you know, mental health is definitely something that we've kind of touched on in the show before. And we've all um, shared our own stories. I think it's fair to say that some of us have also, um, shared in that struggle. So right. we, we've, we've, I think we've, a couple of us have had that experience of trying to talk about it and getting the kind of weird reactions. Um, we did want to kind of relate this back to our dumpster fire discussion and talk about just how high the stakes are when we're talking about mental health, um, about, how the Affordable Care Act has really expanded access um, to, to mental health coverage. And I know this was something that you brought up in some of your discussion points that was really important to you. Right. Well, it's, inclu- it's included in their 10 essential health benefit categories, which is really important. And they also, it also keeps it equal to physical health. Because Mm -hmm. they're sort of recognizing that it is just as much of a problem and it's just as serious as a broken leg. Mm -hmm. So how does that, I guess if you don't mind sharing, how has that affected you personally? Um, Does it make the acquiring of like certain resources easier? Does it it make them more affordable? Um, I... I didn't really have to get into this before the Affordable Care Act was around. So I don't know what it was like for my insurance provider before, but they are required now to allow me to get the medication that I need to get the Mm -hmm. help that I need from not only psychiatrists, but counselors. And it, it makes it where I can, I have the resources at my disposal to, live my life to the fullest. Good. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now we kind of wanted to talk about Clinton and Trump and their approaches to mental health. Um, I don't know if you've noticed either of them talking about mental health, um, but we did pull a couple of quotes um, from them just to kind of get an idea of where where we might might be going. Uh, Clinton said, we're supposed to have a parody. That means if you have a mental health problem, you're supposed to get taken care of just like if you had some physical problem. There shouldn't be any distinction because we because the more we learn about genetics, the more we learn about the way the body works, we know there are connections, don't we? 
Uh, Elisa, do you want to read the quote from Ask Clown? It's a little further down. Yeah. So Ask Clown says, we have a tremendous mental health problem. Tremendous mental health problem. We're closing places all over the world, all over the country they're closing. Nobody's doing anything about that. All they want to do is blame the guns. And it's not the guns that pull the trigger. That was better than Tim Kaine's impression. <laughs> yeah, it's and and again here it's it he's kind of taking the very easy um conservative route out of talking about mental health and just blaming all the recent violence that we're seeing on gun crime when actually very very little of that violence is linked to people with mental health issues. Yeah, um, I really hate that, by the way. Like, I yeah. hate that the discussion in this country on mental health is so linked to gun violence and stuff like that. It's really irritating. Yeah. Why do you find that irritating? I mean, I know why, but, you know, just extrapolate a little bit. Like, what about that? I mean, as somebody who's been so open about, you know, struggling with it, why does that hit home for you? Because... It doesn't just have to be about that. Like people, and plus that's a good way of bringing your narrative to the story without using someone else's, if that makes sense. And like, it's just not, it's not cool, first of all. And it makes it, it overcomplicates things, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I agree. I mean, they're kind of trying to oversimplify mental health issues. Um, and it's and they make and I, it all about guns. Right. I would imagine it would be super frustrating to be somebody who is so open about that struggle and then to have everybody write off all of this terrible violence as, oh, well, this is a mental health problem. When you're yeah. like, no, it's clearly not. I haven't shot anybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You said it much better than I did. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but but I think one of the, the big takeaways here is that um, Clinton, of course, supports continuing Obamacare, which has provided one of the largest expansions of mental health coverage. And Donald Trump wants to repeal it. Right, I mean, what, right. what would that what would that mean for you? It could, it could mean a lot of bad things, really. Um, it could mean that I could stop getting the help that I need when I go and I have to talk to people to sort of get things off my chest so that I don't have multiple breakdowns a week. And mm-hmm. it means that I could no longer be covered with my medication, which I've been sort of stubborn about my medication i used to go for a while without taking it and my parents have told me you know we can see a difference in you we we can see how different you are when you're taking your medication and when you're not you get really down you get just really in a really bad place you get really suicidal and so if i didn't have the medication that i take i actually take a few it would be pretty disastrous for my health yeah and these are the types of things I think people need to realize when they go to vote in November. <clears throat> they don't look at some of the issues that they should be looking at. Um, mental health affects so many of us, and I think even these people who rely on mental uh, on on healthcare to improve their well being uh, may not be considering what could happen if Trump were to take the office. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead, Zach. I think that it's people who are in pretty good health and don't have any problems that are okay with Obamacare and what it's done for the country. They're okay with it being repealed. And it's, it's just such a problem. And I would hate to see, not just for myself, but... I know a lot of people who have the same problems that I do. I would hate to see that they were no longer covered. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of put that in perspective, it's estimated that one in five Americans at least suffer from some kind of mental health issue every year. Um, And that of those people, it was 
70% don't seek any form of treatment. Yeah. Mainly because one, the social stigma, um, and it's just not talked about, like Zach was saying earlier on in this discussion, it's just not, it's not something that's acceptable, it seems socially to discuss. Whereas, you know, if I found out tomorrow that I had, you know, liver failure, I wouldn't be embarrassed to get help for that. So why should we be so embarrassed as a populace to get help for something related to our mental health? Yeah. Right. I think I think talking about it more openly definitely helps a lot. Uh, I know, Zach, you mentioned it and Hillary did in that quote we used. Um, I've I've recently been dealing with a mental health issue and I haven't brought it up on Millennial, but I have. Um, I did actually include it in a piece I wrote on Hypable recently and for that exact reason actually to kind of obviously i'm not going to be in charge of normalizing mental health but i think it is important to openly talk about it um and i i've i've mentioned it on uh, a twitter account that my friends follow and stuff like that because i i i'm also one of those people that just kind of doesn't mind sharing that stuff i am the same type of person that writes very gross fan not gross but very dirty fan fiction and releases it (laughs) online um so yeah and i'm happy to help in that cause and helping to normalize it because it has been a new experience for me um laura and elisa have been very helpful uh for me by the way thank you um and yeah so i i think i think one something very important with dealing with that mental health issue is to not just not just normalize it, but just have a support group of people who you can speak to about it, whether it's a medical professional or just friends. Totally. Absolutely. Um, I, I also take medication for mental health. Um, I struggle with anxiety and depression and I resisted medication for so long because I just felt I don't know. I just felt sort of like if I succumbed to taking medication, that it meant that I wasn't strong enough to take care of it on my own. And as a result of that, I struggled throughout my late teens and early 20s. And it was kind of, it it was needless. I mean, if I had just felt like I could ask for help, those years might have been so different for me. And so I think to anybody who who might feel like they need the help, but they're too scared or, or too apprehensive to ask for it, please do because it makes such a difference. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And on Andrew's point of a, of a support system, the Facebook group, the millennial Facebook group has actually been really helpful. I've gotten on there a couple of times, but like, you know, I'm just, you know, having a bad time. What kind of words of wisdom and, help can you all give me and everyone is so quick to help and offer up their services and yeah it's just really nice the group the group there at our group of listeners in in that facebook group are are very very nice i i agree with you we have the best listeners yeah like 99 percent are the best (laughs) (laughs) tremendous yeah they're all right (laughs) they're fine no, I'd, I'd I'd hit it. I'd tap them. <laughs> I I want to I want to point out also. Tap Laura him said, for help. Uh, no, 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 I meant I meant sex. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Laura Laura said, I think this is a really important thing to hear. One in five people struggle with with mental health issues. That's that's huge. Like, try and envision that. Like, envision yeah. your. Envision your high school classroom, like your high school English class or something. And imagine one in every five people standing up. These are real people. They're real. They're real people with real lives. And and I think visualizing just how many is helpful for people who don't struggle with it, but even more so for people who do to not feel like you're alone. If you ever feel like you are alone, consider this, that that one in five figure translates into 43.8 million people in the United States. 43.8 million. To put that into perspective, New York City has a population of 8 million. So 8 million versus 43. You could literally stand in the center of like Times Square and look around and everybody you see and it was within, you know, a 20 mile radius 
could have a mental health issue just, you know, on a countrywide scale. That's how many people struggle with it. And I think for me, like one of the most important reasons to destigmatize it is because I think it's very helpful for people to feel and to know, concretely fucking know that not only are they not alone, but they're it's it's actually very common and very normal and not at all weird and something yeah. that Almost everybody, frankly, goes through at some point in their life. And sometimes it's a lifelong battle and sometimes it's something that you struggle with for a few years. But in, 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 in every case, I actually am not sure that I even know a single person who's never struggled with, um, you know, serious clinical anxiety or depression um, or any number of other things for that matter. Um, I known a couple of people with bipolar disorder, somebody else with borderline personality disorder, um, uh, et cetera. It just, it goes on. I think it's actually probably more normal to go through something that strenuous than it is to never experience it at all. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I so agree with you. Um, I dealing with my own issue, I, for too long, kept it inside my own head instead of being more open about it. Uh, and so I completely agree with what you're saying. And I'm so glad I did finally actually get help and acknowledge that it was a mental health issue that wasn't just like something that shouldn't go untreated. So agreed. So now I'm on a drug. Woohoo. <laughs> I'm, and Zach, thank you so much for bringing this to the table today yeah. because I mean, even though we've touched on it in the past, I don't think we've really gotten to dig in until now. Um, so we really appreciate you being so open about your own experience and giving us this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Well, and if you want to talk about it more in the future, we would certainly be open to that. Yeah. Um, and again, to reiterate Andrew's point, this is why it's so important to vote. If not for yourself, think about the one in five. And to join our Facebook group at yes. facebook.com <laughs> millennial show. <laughs> because we all need therapy and there are some great therapists in that group. Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. not any they're they're not any of the hosts. No, we're the ones that need it. But <laughs> so, uh shifting gears a little bit now. Um it's time for the number. We have two this week, two numbers. So Zach, you know how this works, right? Right. Okay. So question number 1. You do this for 4.3 hours per day. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you spent 4.3 hours shitting? Well, maybe, I think you have a maybe, problem. Maybe not actually shitting, but like, you know, it, it, on the toilet, you know, around yeah. shits. Uh -huh. I get, you know, I get focused looking at stuff on my phone. I, you know, I lose track of time. 4.3 hours. This is a weird one, but I'm going to say blinking. Like, no. you, blink, you blink all day through, but I mean, like, the actual, like, your eyes are closed because you're blinking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's possible. All that blinking adds up. Listen, it's a better guess than taking a shit, okay? <laughs> uh, it takes longer to take a shit than it does to blink. <laughs> okay, so, Zach, do you have a guess? Is that a challenge? But, okay. Uh... <laughs> Uh, browse the internet i don't know probably not because i'm usually on there about 24 hours a day right yeah. right exactly sometimes i think i'm 25 because i'm like using my phone and laptop at once no but that's the closest answer and it's definitely not shitting it's watching tv on average yeah, yeah. average american it's watches down. four and a half three hours a day uh add in dvr time that number actually gets up to five hours a day there we go and that usage is shrinking over time. A couple of years ago, Americans were averaging five hours and 23 minutes a day. I'm actually surprised the average is still this high, but I guess it's just not our personal lifestyles watching that much TV per day. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably shrinking because since so many people are streaming now, they're not having to sit through commercials. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That could be one as, as well, for sure. I'd say I watch about two hours in the evening when I eat dinner, and then afterwards I try to watch an episode or two or something. Okay, uh, number number two. This person or organization receives an average donation of $69 from supporters. Millennial. 
Oh, if only. Donald Trump. <laughs> if only. Um. Oh, you said. Oh, you said dollars. Sixty-nine dollars, not sixty-nine cents. <laughs> yep, dollars. <laughs> or 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 yen. Um, sixty-nine smackers. Sixty-nine dollars. God, I I really hope it's like the Boy Scouts of America. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that sounds pretty good. Actually, Zach was right. Did you hear about this story, Zach? It's Donald Trump. No. Oh, what? yeah. What? Yeah. In July, he raised <laughs> $35.8 million, fueled by s- small donations. He claims that the average donation was 69 bucks. God, well, fucking would. <laughs> I'm continuing to fund my campaign, but we're also raising money from people who send in checks, he said. So. Zach, how much how would you would you take sixty nine dollars in exchange for sixty nineing Donald Trump? <laughs> oh. No. Like how how much how much let's play this game. How much would you need to be paid in order to sixty nine Donald Trump? <laughs> I <laughs> I don't think there's a number. <laughs> I don't I agree. I don't think I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I'm gonna give a five hundred dollars. That's that's all you're worth, Elisa. I'm just saying, you know, I have student loans starting this month, so we'll, we'll go with five. <laughs> Do so I get to publicize that I sixty nine Donald Trump? Donald Trump. No, no one has to know, but you and Donald. Well, no, I mean, if it meant him losing the election mm. because yeah. his supporters are homophobic, <laughs> you take one for the team. I would take one for the team. All you're right, a good. You're a good American. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Zach. Very thoughtful of you. I'll return a blowjob to you sometime if you want. <laughs> the wrong person. What are you doing? <laughs> what? That's not Donald Trump. I know it's not, but I'm. But Bill is jumping in the conversation now and saying thank you for helping us make sure Trump doesn't win. Okay. Thank you very much, Zach. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Zach, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it was you were a- fantastic. Absolutely. You're a baller, bitch. Truly. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> well, thank you. He got the golden ticket. Uh, coming up in After Dark today, as I teased, we are going to be reading a selection from my fan fiction titled Never Sever Us. And Lauren and Lisa <laughs> will also be reading passages. And I can't wait to hear them narrate hardcore gay sex. I laid him down then flipped myself over. One of our favorite things to do was blow each other simultaneously. We'd gotten good at timing it right, so we came into each other's mouths at the same time. This time, we weren't going to stop there. Tonight was a night to celebrate our passionate relationship. With both of our cocks wet and hard, it was time to start entering one another. <laughs> to wrap up the show today, we will be listening to President Bill Clinton playing a little sax. He loves to blow that sax. <laughs> so we will get to listen to that. Don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash millennial, where you will hear... If you, if, you want, if you need to hear some porn this week, I highly recommend listening to this week's After Dark. It's going to be really sexy. Maybe we'll play Bill Clinton's sax over it, under it. We should. <laughs> that'll really get me... That'll really get me wet. <laughs> Watch your dress, Elisa. You don't want to leave a stain on there. Somebody did text me earlier. I blame you for my erection. Oh, I never replied to him. Hmm, I think that I was say? Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've been at half mass this entire episode. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Zach. See everybody next week for episode 229. Goodbye. Bye. 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 so weird to watch him playing an instrument oh boy that was legit him playing the saxophone yeah yeah Yeah, dude there's video